Welcome to Point Two Law Review. I'm John Brandt. And I am Carson Messerschmidt. And we are here the week of August 8th, 2023 and August 11th, 2023. And uh, we got some opinions to talk about, but it's back to school time. School's back. For some people. I don't know if Lincoln's back yet or Omaha. I think, weren't we just, it was just school's out for summer and now all of a sudden. Now here we are. It's uh, school's back in session. Uh, at least Buffalo County here in Kearney. We started yesterday-ish. Yes, yesterday. And so I think everybody will at least start next week. So that that was August 10 then. Super and, early. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, I get you date even a little bit more than me, right. but I remember like going back to school in the 20s. <laughs> In the 20s? Not 1920s, <laughs> as in August 20s. I, well, yeah, and then where I was, they didn't have air conditioning, so it was like you would get done with school at 1.30. Yeah, that was classic, those and, first, yeah. And those were good times. Oh, look at us. Welcome to reminisce about school days. Wasn't it always try? It was always fun to try to learn with a, a big box fan blowing on you in the background or... Sweat uh, dripping. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was always... That's how you really learn how to adapt and overcome, it, I believe, it, in it, your educational it experience. certainly molded me. Yeah, it prepared me for law school. I was like, air conditioning? Yeah, ah. <laughs> Sweating profusely while trying to answer questions? Oh, I've, I've been here before. <laughs> I know Welcome back, doing. old friend. All right, ex parte summary, Nebraska Supreme Court. Carson, you go first. Uh, McPherson versus Walgreens Boot Alliance Arbitration. Uh, Boone River LLC, 11T Nebraska, or NE LLC versus Miles, Betton, and Moniker. And uh, Res Judicata, claim preclusion, standing, hire a lawyer. I like that plug. <laughs> so that'll be the theme of this uh, episode. Hire a hire lawyer. Hire a lawyer. Yeah, you need a lawyer. Anyway, hire a lawyer. You'll find out why when we get to it. But we'll start with the rest of Supreme Court. Go Carson. All right. Kicking it off with McPherson versus Walgreens Boot Alliance. And this is an interlocutory appeal from the district court of, and I got to find that quick, Douglas County, uh, granting a motion to stay arbitration. And the little bit of background and facts here is that uh, Yvonne McPherson was injured when she slipped and fell on an icy sidewalk outside a Walgreens pharmacy in Omaha. And so what causes all the issue here is that McPherson filed a personal injury action against the individual who was a subcontractor to do the scooping, the individual or entity that was hired by Walgreens to essentially handle all of their uh, services, landscaping services, uh, snow removal services, basically it seems like kind of nationwide, and then Walgreens itself uh, in the district court. And so what happened here is that essentially all of the parties uh, start cross claims and act against each other. Uh, the subcontractor uh, refused to uh, tender any kind of a defense. The uh, general contractor um, was arguing that they were indemnified under the contract with the subcontractor, and so they end up filing a demand for arbitration uh, with the American Arbitration uh, Association to seek a determination under the terms of the subcontract contract uh, that there was a contractual duty to defend and indemnify um, both the general contractor and Walgreens against these personal injury claims. And what the district court found was that there was um, nothing to indemnify at that point. Um, basically, there was no judgment favoring uh, McPherson against any of the defendants, and so it seemed premature uh, to deal with the indemnity issue 
um, via arbitration at that point in time because there was no judgment, I should say, by which to defend. And so that's why the district court stays the case. And where the value, I guess, comes in in this case is the pretty, I won't say arduous, but in-depth discussion about um, arbitration issues and how arbitration is dealt with. And so the the Supreme Court wrestles here with what um, arbitration act this action is covered under and basically um, if there is an appealable order. And so eventually they go through some discussion. And again, if you have an arbitration issue and you're wanting to figure out uh, what actually governs um, your arbitration issue, this case is good for that. But they eventually conclude uh, that the FAA governs the arbitration provision within this um, subcontract. And even though they determine that, they say that, you know, this essentially is only a basis for the framework of what they're working with because um, appeal issues are uh, state statute determinative. And basically, if there isn't a state statute saying that they have uh, appellate jurisdiction or that something is a final appealable order, it doesn't matter if it's covered by the FAA or the UAA, um, the Nebraska um, statutes are what are going to determine uh, finality for purposes of appeal. And uh, here what they find is that there wasn't a uh, final appealable order and that um, the order staying the arbitration was um, not a decision that adjudicated all of the claims and liabilities of the parties, uh, which would have made it a, a certified judgment under Nebraska Revised Statute 25-13-15. And so they eventually find that they lack jurisdiction over this appeal and, and therefore uh, dismiss it. Um, and then they also, though, again, address that uh, even though the uh, FAA would have allowed for an interlocutory appeal under this, uh, because they didn't have compliance with that 20, 25-13-15, um, you know, they didn't have any kind of appellate jurisdiction because their jurisdiction is purely statutory. And so, again, it's another one of those cases we continue to, it seems like we're kind of seeing a common theme here with these arbitration cases coming up more and more, especially with binding arbitration clauses existing, we get a little bit more guidance on what is appealable, when it's appealable, and what your arbitration provision might be covered by. So helpful case if you have anything with arbitration. All right, Boone River LLC and 11TNE LLC versus Miles, Betton, and Moniger. Um, there's some background here. So Boone River LLC started paying taxes on property that was owned by Miles Betton and Moniger um, back in 2015. They achieved a tax certification or excuse me, a tax certifi- a certificate and later turned that into a tax deed. They sold that tax deed to 11T in LLC and um, then 11T LLC filed a quiet title action. Now in that quiet title action, which is not part of this case, Directly, I guess, uh, in that quiet title action, they uh, 11T and E LLC lost. The district court there said that the um, tax certification and the tax deed wasn't proper uh, and wasn't properly performed and the procedure was wrong. Therefore, the title needed to be immediately transferred over to Miles, Benton, and Moniker. Well, somebody paid taxes during that time. Boone River LLC and 11T and E LLC, together with another entity, at the benefit of 11T and E LLC, they were paying taxes 
and they come now in this case and they say, well, Miles Betton and Moniker, they were all unjustly enriched. They uh, received the benefit of us paying taxes on property that was apparently not ours, and we need to be reimbursed uh, for those taxes that we paid together with some other uh, matters. Now, the um, parties that were represented were Miles and Betton. Moniker filed an answer pro se and um, just was a general denial with no affirmative defenses. For Miles and Betton, they alleged the affirmative defense of res judicata or claim preclusion. So on claim preclusion, they said, uh, you know, you could have brought this up in the earlier case that we had for quiet title uh, regarding the unjust enrichment, and you didn't. And because you didn't, you can't bring it up now in a subsequent case. Well, the district court found that the tax deed and the tax payments did unjustly enrich, and um, the uh, homeowner, ultimate homeowners here, or property owners, and they ordered that the property owners had to completely reimburse Miles, or excuse me, reimburse the 11T NE LLC and the Boone River LLC. So then we move from that to the appeal. Now, Betton and Miles both appealed. Moniker did not. Uh, because he was pro se, so he just let it go, and and that's what happened there. So on appeal, Miles and Benton allege uh, several things. Number one is standing. They say they don't have standing because um, they didn't uh, have it at the time. They didn't have the any kind of title, so they couldn't have standing, and they weren't the actual ones making the payments, and they didn't say that they made the payments on the record. So you know they don't have standing. Well. Supreme Court here gets rid of that and, and basically says, yes, both entities have standing after reviewing the record and seeing who paid the taxes and when. Then it goes on to address the issue of the issue preclusion. And there's a great uh, law chunk here on unjust enrichment, if you have anything like that. Oh, and just by the way, the taxes, I think by my math, ended up being like $16,500. So there's a law chunk here on unjust uh, enrichment. And it's and then we get into the claim preclusion issue. And in order for claim preclusion to apply to this, they could have said, well, you could have brought the tax issue in the quiet title action. Uh, and it's the same party, so you could have brought it at that time, and you didn't. And because you didn't, you are precluded from doing that in a subsequent case. That is the ultimate finding here, that they reverse the district court and say that um, Betton and Miles, you do not owe these taxes because um, there was claim preclusion should have applied. Uh, your affirmative defense of claim preclusion should have applied, and you don't owe anything. There's um, another citation from Professor Lenich's book. There's a good discussion in there. So we get some shout out to Professor Lenich uh, for that. And it was reversed, and they don't have to pay. Except, do you remember Moniger? Moniger the Pro Se. Moniger the Pro Se. Moniger the Pro Se did not uh, file an appeal, and therefore the judgment was affirmed against Moniger. So Moniger is stuck on the unjust enrichment. Um, and having to pay the back taxes completely um, to these people because uh, didn't hire a lawyer and didn't raise the issues uh, that could have been raised at that time. So the judgment is affirmed as the moniker, and he has to pay all the taxes. Otherwise, it's reversed, and they don't have to pay anything. That's it. So hire a lawyer. I mean, consider. I mean, so lawyer, uh, lawyer might be beneficial 
if you're going to raise something, like, like if you're going to deal with something called res judicata. Yeah. <laughs> if you hear any kind of Latin phrase. I mean, that's probably why we use the, the Latin is to say, you know, hey. Hey, this is a signal that maybe we're in some, <laughs> we're in open waters. Let's right. get a lawyer. When I change my transmission on my car and they use some words I don't know about, you know. Yeah. Then you're instantly like, okay, I need a, me- I need a mechanic for this one. I need- that blinky light says I need mechanic. <laughs> that's something else. So that's it for Nebraska Supreme Court Court of Appeals. Let's go Carson. All right. So starting out with State v. Coleman, and this is an appeal from a denial of an amended motion for post-conviction relief without an evidentiary hearing. And so uh, a little bit of the background here, this is and the direct appeal was uh, from a shooting uh, where an individual was uh, seriously wounded um, and Coleman was um, ultimately convicted of um, second-degree assault, use of a deadly weapon to commit a felony, and possession of a firearm by a prohibited person. And so um, a couple of the big issues on the appeal uh, or on the post-conviction appeal are uh, things having to do with due process, uh, witnesses uh, that were called or not called, uh, specifically one individual's uh, testimony that identified Coleman as the shooter And Coleman took great issue with the fact that this individual was allowed to review uh, surveillance video and a photograph in advance of his identifying testimony. But the Court of Appeals uh, deals with that by basically saying that this is an issue that had to be brought on um, direct appeal. And since it wasn't brought on direct appeal, it's not appropriate here uh, for post-conviction relief. And so uh, there is no ability to give any kind of relief under a uh, post-conviction relief action. Um, And then we deal with ineffective assistance of counsel and ineffective assistance of appellate counsel. And again, uh, these are all things having to do with um, failures to cross-examine, failures to impeach, uh, failures to take actions, essentially, uh, that were either discretionary or harmless error or cumulative evidence, um, and so are pretty summarily um, taken care of by the Court of Appeals. And eventually, uh, the Court of Appeals do affirm. Got Via Vigasa. It's a domestic abuse protection or appeal. Um, petitioner here testified to... Uh, version of events uh, indicating that that would establish, if true, would establish a um, domestic abuse protection order grounds. Um, the respondent testified at the hearing and said they denied all that, and the district court deemed the respondent more credible. I think that's the key to this whole case. Uh, they deemed the respondent more credible and dismisses the protection order. Now, the petitioner appeals that uh, denial of a protection order. And basically re-alleges uh, and says everything I testified true is true. And because I testified to it, I've established the grounds for the protection order because I, I testified to it How and based on you know the standard of review. However, there is some deference always given to credibility. No, not always. I shouldn't say always. But there is some deference given to the lower court on the issue of credibility. And because the district court here viewed the respondent as more credible, the court of appeals it gives deference to the district court on the credibility and affirms the dismissal of the protection order. Okay, coming back to uh, In the Interest of Vincent W., and this is an appeal from the Juvenile Court of Douglas County on a termination of parental rights. Um, And the the basic background here is essentially that 
uh, Vincent had failed to comply um, at least substantially with most of the things that the Department of Health and Human Services uh, had asked of him, including a domestic violence education program. Um, and then there was uh, issues with a psychological evaluation that was initially started but wasn't completed for uh, looked like the better part of a year. Um, and then there was an issue as far as income and ability to provide. And so the grounds for termination were uh, 15 out of 22 months. And then uh, best interests of the child um, essentially here uh, were dictating um, basically from the, the primarily the testimony of the caseworker, which is what Vincent took issue with. Um, and the Court of Appeals does deal with qualifications of the caseworker, what's required to be a uh, Department of Health and Human Services caseworker, um, and the things that a, a caseworker is required to obtain and found that uh, she was a credible witness and had obtained those necessary things. And then essentially uh, found that there were uh, barriers to reunification uh, that were of uh, Vincent's own making and therefore uh, the court of appeals affirmed the termination of parental rights state v michael root this is a buffalo county district court case uh, mr root pled no contest to escape um, and the information that alleged that also alleged that uh, he was an habitual criminal they had a separate hearing regarding the nature of the habitual criminal allegations and the defendant challenged the prior enhancements challenged it on a number of technical issues um, you know, whether he was represented, it, it merely said Mr. Ty at one point. It didn't say who uh, actually represented him or what the capacity Mr. Ty was there for um, because it in the journal entry didn't say specifically what was there for. So they challenged that. This was from a long time ago. Uh, I think there were convictions from back in 1981 or something like that. And there were several uh, felony convictions, exhibits two, three, five, six, and seven. Only two, three, six, and seven were challenged, and they really only needed to find one. Um, in order to affirm the habitual criminal uh, enhancement provision that Mr. Root in ultimately received. So um, they did find that the prior um, convictions were sufficient for purposes of habitual criminal uh, enhancement, and the um, lower uh, court didn't uh, make a decision on the issue of consti constitutionality of the habitual criminal statute because it wasn't properly raised. So there's some good, good discussion of the procedural steps necessary in order to raise a constitutional challenge. So this is one of those where it's not published. Um, it's a memorandum web opinion, not designated for permanent um, publication, but it does have some good information about what you need to do procedurally in order to challenge something uh, on a constitutional basis. Also an, an alleged uh, excessive sentence, which was not uh, found to be there. And the district court, the lower court was affirmed that it i think that's it hey what a great time what a mellow song <laughs> i don't know i thought it was fun because yeah. back to school mm, i don't know not a white stripes fan yeah well no no, no i like the white stripes uh but i i'm more it's kind of melancholy is it wistful yeah is that what the word you'd use yeah wistful yeah <laughs> I don't know. I think it's a good song. Yeah, no, it's it's, it's, it's anyway. Fine. It's maybe like there's some soccer going on or something, and you're just, yeah. Let's just listen just to the distracted. whole thing. Why don't we just sit yeah, here and make you listen to yeah, the whole? Yeah, let's thing. hear it. Let's hear it all. Let's hear it play out. <laughs> let's hear it go. All right. Well, that's it for this week. Uh, 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 let's see. Point two law review brought to you by Anderson Klein Brewster and Brandt offices in Holdridge, Kearney, and Minden. Uh, I'm John Brandt, and I'm Carson Messerschmidt. Have a great week, everybody. See you next week. Thanks, everybody. 
house We walk to school all by ourselves There's dirt on our uniforms From chasing all the ants and worms We clean up and now it's time to learn We clean up and now it's time to learn Numbers let us learn to spell Nouns and books and show and tell Playtime we will throw the ball Back to class, through the hall Teacher marks our height against the wall Teacher marks our height against the wall any time pass We don't notice anything We sit side by side in every class Teacher thinks that I sound funny But she likes the way you sing Tonight I'll dream while I'm in bed When silly thoughts go through my head About the bugs and alphabet When I wake tomorrow I'll bet That you and I will walk together again I can tell that 